If you or anyone you know is about to have a hysterectomy or who recently had one, then you're going to want to stay tuned for today's video because we are talking to a good friend of mine, Lisa, about her recent experience with her hysterectomy. That's coming up right now. Hi, Lisa. Welcome to Morphous. Thank you for having me, Andrea. It's great to I'm, be here. I'm so happy to have you. And we've been talking about doing this for a while and you are finally ready to share your story. So I'd love you to talk a little bit about the backstory about why you had to get a hysterectomy. And then I also want to go into before the end of the video, some tips that you can provide our viewers that if they were to have to get one, or if they had one, perhaps they can take that information with them to help them recover and to further along their journey, their health journey. So let's start with your actual story. What happened? Sure. So it was uh, almost exactly a year ago. It was October the 31st of 2019. Uh, on the Monday of that week, I met with an oncologist. The oncologist was able to confirm um, that day that I did, in fact, have some cancer cells. And it was her recommendation that I have a total hysterectomy, which happened uh, on the Thursday, so just like a few days later. So it was a bit of um, a whirlwind, certainly not a lot of time to think about it, which I think can be good because, um, you know, it's better to not have too much time. You just have to kind of make a quick decision and, 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 and move forward, right? So that's, that's the, um, the actual, you know, week that it happened. Um, prior to that, there was like about a year where it was kind of leading up to that moment. Um, I had had some really, really um, a month long period. And out of that, there was a few months later, there was um, like a, not an MRI, but like, a, what's it called? Ultrasound. Uh, ultrasound, thank you. And uh, the results of that ultrasound were a few months later, they said there was some, there was some cells, some, uh, some fibroids, um, and they wanted to get that checked out. Fast forward all the way to September um, of that year. So now it's like a full year has gone by. And in the September of that year, I had what's called an endometrial ablation. Uh, so at that time they took out the fibroids, um, they did the endometrial ablation, which is basically like having your uterine lining, um, completely removed. That's what they do. Okay. Right? So out of the results of that few weeks go by, I get a call from the, um, gynecologist who did that surgery. And he said to me, you know, I'm really surprised. I didn't expect this but there are some cancer cells and I'm gonna recommend that you go to see an oncologist. And then within a couple of weeks of that, now we're back to you know October, whatever it was, the 27th. And uh, then I had the hysterectomy, yeah. Can you so. share how old you are and when all of this, you know, to give people an indication? Yeah, for sure. So I'm now 51. So I have, was 50 at the time I had just turned 50 a couple weeks prior um, to the surgery. So October and um, yeah, I mean, I had been really, you know, I thought really good health um, other than, you know, the obviously approaching probably menopause. 
Um, in fact, in 2019, you know, I had trained and I had done uh, two triathlons um, that summer and was generally feeling, you know, in, in quite good health. But um, that, that period that had lasted for, well, it was actually over a month, obviously was concerning. And that's when I had like, you know, reached out to get that in, to, to, to sort of dig, do some digging and find out about that. Now you were talking a little bit about what happened before. I just want to go there for a minute and then we'll continue onward. So sure, absolutely. Did you know when you were in perimenopause? So I remember you telling me that you were having very, very heavy bleeding, which you just mentioned earlier. Take sure. us through your journey as you were entering perimenopause and you were in perimenopause prior to finding out that information. Yeah, I mean, I don't remember you know that much of it at this time, other than um, occasionally having the heavy periods. There was that one in the October, which would have been October of 2018, that really, really stands out. Um, oh, 2019, excuse me. Um, prior to that, you know, I was having relatively regular periods. Um, I don't remember a, a lot prior to that. Yeah, I think that. It was the 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 need to have the surgery um, was scary. I mean, it was shocking. Um, it's not something that I wanted to do. I remember, you know, very clearly to this day, lying on the table and about to go into surgery and saying to the doctor, you know, I I don't want this. Um, and that was kind of the last thing that I remember happening. Um, you know, I do have a lot of recommendations for women who, you know, are leading into this um, and what they should do for themselves post-surgery. Um, in terms of pre-surgery, I think, um, you know, there's some basic things like, um, and, and these are things that no one told me. <laughs> and these are also things that, you know, the when you, when you go to the hospital and you do your pre-op, they give you a pamphlet, at least that's what they gave me. And in the pamphlet, it has, you know, a bunch of recommendations, things that you should be doing, et cetera. But what I want to share are those things that are, that are not in the pamphlet <laughs> um, and things that other people might, you know, really find helpful. Um, some basic, basic things like, for example, um, you know, really take care of yourself and make sure that like basic things like meals are going to be taken care of at least for a week post-surgery. Um, and if people are offering to, to do that for you, you know, please take them up on that. Um, a week post-surgery, you're not going to be wanting to having to worry about meals and things like that. Um, so I definitely would suggest minimum a week have, you know, the meals all laid out, uh, whatever it's going to be. Um, I don't know about other people, but I can tell you, my husband is like a super, super strong person and, and doesn't normally, um, you know, crack or anything. But, um, when, when I had my surgery, it was like, you know, when I was down, I think he was down. So in terms of thinking that you're going to be able to rely on like a partner or a spouse, um, don't necessarily count on that, right? Like you don't know how other people are going to react within your family um, when, when you are down and when you are trying to heal and when you are trying to recover. 
Um, so that would be like kind of like a, a basic thing. There's other specific things. Um, and post-surgery for me was really, really quite traumatic. Um, when I spoke to the oncol or to the um, to the surgeon oncologist after I had my surgery, I was speaking with her and I said, you know, the night after the surgery, the night like the night of the surgery, I should say, um, the withdrawal that I experienced from the estrogen, which nobody talks about, nobody prepares you for. Because you're thrown into menopause, basically. Absolutely, absolutely. So I said to her, like, I said, I was having withdrawal. Like, it felt like in the middle of it, I remember thinking, I, I don't know what it's like to withdraw from like a drug, but I would imagine that that's what it's like. Your your skin is itching. It's, it's like you're, you can't get comfortable. You're completely nauseous. When I said that to the doctor, yeah. She said, oh, you know, no one's ever described it to me that way before. Really? Yeah. Which oh. to me implies that she knows that you go through a withdrawal, but yet no one had actually put it into words. Hmm. Wow. And why do yeah. you think that is? Do you think it's that people are embarrassed or they don't want to share it? Or what, what are your thoughts about that? I don't know. I, I can't speak for other people and why they wouldn't necessarily describe it that way. But I can tell you that the evening of, and this is my other, you know, my second or third point, I should say, where I would really encourage people to advocate and be prepared, um, is that I didn't imagine that I would need to stay in the hospital because no one said that that was really even an option. Okay. The night of the surgery. And I know years ago, like they used to keep women, I think, as I understand, in the hospital for days, a couple days, oh, wow. right? Yeah. So in my particular case, it was, um, okay, can, so can you, can you urinate? And as soon as you can urinate, you're like, this you're, you're out, you're like out of the hospital. Hard, sorry, yeah. in, the, in the meantime, I'm completely nauseous. I'm vomiting to the point of, I remember again, you know, being at, in the hospital, Scott had to leave me to go get the car. I'm in a wheelchair and he, I have a, a, a vomit, like a bag to, to hold the vomit and the, and there's so much vomit that there's vomit going all over the floor outside of the bag. And I'm being discharged from the hospital. Okay. So the trauma of, of the surgery itself, like the physical trauma, the emotional trauma, the psychological trauma in and of itself is big. But then when you have like all of these other like legitimate physical things happening, I mean, again, I, I, I remember very clearly being in the car on the ride home and like, you know, here I am like vomiting into a bag, like no one should have to go through that. No one should have to experience that, you know? And, um, you know, in terms of getting back to that night and feeling like this incredible feeling of like this intense withdrawal um, and I couldn't get comfortable. And here my poor husband is like, my husband isn't a nurse, right? 
And so he's calling, you know, a friend of ours who lives down the street is a doctor and they're trying to get me um, something for the nausea, but nothing worked. That nausea lasted for like days. Now, did you find out what was causing those? Like, so is, is it a common thing where you where women who go on, undergo a, a, a hysterectomy get nausea? Like were these side effects something that is super common for other women as well? Once you were kind of able to you know, speak to other women or go into forums and read, like, what did you find out that other women are experiencing? Are they, are they similar to the, what you experienced? Yeah. So I had a reaction, I'm sure to the anesthesia, mm. um, in terms of the, like the withdrawal from the estrogen, you know, all I've done is speak with, you know, that particular do doctor that I was dealing with. And I had my follow-up calls with her and, you know, I got her reaction, which was, oh, no one's ever described it that way. Um, but apart from that, you know, the other thing that we haven't had a chance to talk about yet, which you've kind of like sort of skirted around a little bit of it is like, it's like the secrecy. It's like the shame. And I understand not everyone is necessarily going to react in that way. But at the same time, I think that, you know, when you're given a cancer diagnosis, um, there's like, it's something that, you know, in my particular case, I didn't share with people. Right. Um, and so to your question, you know, what did you find out about other people? I don't know. Mm. I don't know because it's taken me a year to even have this conversation with you. And I don't know necessarily what other people have experienced because I don't think that there's a lot of great resources from a support standpoint to be able to help women. And um, I can tell you though, it is a year long process. It's, it's a full year. For recovery. Um, pardon me? For recovery. Yeah, for recovery Physical, from- Emotional, mental. Yeah, yeah. Now in my particular case, um, I was told, oh yeah, it's fine, go back to work. You know, So in my particular case, I started a new job within two weeks. It was far too soon like much, much, much too soon. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, getting back to, there could be a whole conversation around the shame, right? Of um, that could be an entire conversation in and of, it, in and of itself, really. Um, so I wanna, I wanna make this point clear. And that is, is that if, if someone is listening to this and in hearing us, um, Know that insisting staying in the option, it's staying in the hospital. Know that, like, I would want people to be able to advocate for themselves on their behalf. Because in my particular case, I didn't know that, you know, oh, I might even, I might need to stay in the hospital, right? And they deemed, the hospital deemed that I didn't need to, but I think I should have the opportunity to deem whether. I need to stay or not. And you're you know, able to, if you had told the hospital you wanted to stay or doctor, they would have allowed you to stay that extra night. I, I would imagine, I would hope. Right. Okay. But I don't know for sure. Right. Right. Now in my particular case, again, just getting into like the very personal, you know, details about what can happen. I mean, in my, in my case, you know, thank goodness a friend came over and, and took my daughter, my 14 yeah. year old daughter at the time. Right. Because I wouldn't have wanted her to be in the house that night to be able to, you know, hearing what was going on. 
Mm. Um, not to mention the fact, like, again, this is pretty graphic. Um, but so, you know, you're, you're nauseous, you're vomiting, you're going through this hormone withdrawal. Um, and then in addition to that, they also do not tell you, they don't tell you this in the literature with, from the hospital is that you may or may not have control of your bladder. Hmm. Right. So in my particular case, I had no idea that that was even a possibility. I was completely not prepared for that. I'm vomiting and I have no control. And so again, you know, here's my poor husband having to be, you know, a nurse and get towels. I mean, yes, I'm sorry, Andrea, this is, this is quite graphic. No, this is important information, Lisa. And I am so grateful that you have agreed to do this yeah. because I think this information is so important for women who may need it one day, who may be doing, maybe going for one in, you know, coming up or maybe yeah. went through it that now they can help educate and share it with other people, share their experiences. So thank you for doing this. Nothing is too graphic. Yeah. In menopause, we talk about everything. So I'm more yeah. here. So like it, nothing is too graphic. So please. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it is, it should, maybe at the beginning, you should say explicit content. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I'm not so sure peeing and pooing is explicit content, but I hear what you're saying. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so really know that you're not gonna know in advance how you're gonna feel coming out of that surgery. And although you know the, the hospital does that simple test, can you urinate on your own? You know, I don't think that that's like, that should be the criteria. I think that the criteria should go beyond that, right? Right. The criteria should be, you know, are you vomiting? <laughs> can you hold down food? I mean, these are things that like, you know, how nauseous are you, right? Like these are things that, you know, know in advance and that have the strength to be able to say, no, I'm not ready to leave, right? I'm not ready to go home. You think that your, their nausea, I guess, your nausea is, was a reaction to the medication that you were giving, so the anesthetic. You think that's what- I mean, I'm guessing, yes, yeah. yeah. I think for sure though, Andrea, the night- it was not, it was not, that was not the anesthetic. That was the complete, after 50 years of having estrogen in your body, yeah. um, there's the, like the complete like withdrawal mm -hmm. and it is a withdrawal. And like I said, I mean, I haven't experienced what withdrawal is, but you just kind of know instinctively um, like what's happening. And I remember thinking in the middle of the night, it's like, I've got like shakes. I've got like this terribly kind of like itchy skin. You know, it's like, it's, it's like what I've seen before when it comes to withdrawal. Yeah. Wow. And mm -hmm. other than that, what are some other of those symptoms that um, you experienced that night that you maybe if you, if you can remember, if you're not, not we can move on to something. Yeah. Else. I mean, th those are the major things, right? Like um, vomiting, no control of your bladder, um, uh, you know, complete nausea, um, can't get comfortable. I, I was up all night. Like I couldn't sleep, couldn't sleep because I was, you can't, I couldn't lay down. Right. So, so not only have you gone through this, like, you know, surgery, which I would consider to be, you know, major. fairly major. <laughs> Although I think that it gets downplayed, right? And I think other women, because they're told that it's, you know, no big deal or it's major or women maybe sometimes want to be like, oh, you know, I'm, I was fine. And, 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 and I don't know, I don't think everybody necessarily is. And I certainly wasn't, you know, mm -hmm. and I consider myself to be a pretty tough person, right? Like I said, I mean, I did two triathlons that year. 
you know, um, I gave birth naturally, <laughs> you know, like, uh, I, I have, um, you know, some, some fairly good credentials when it comes to pushing through. And that night, you know, came, it was, I remember saying to Scott, this is worse than giving birth. Wow. Yeah. You mentioned the traumatic event and the emotional components. Let's talk, and I agree with you, I think that would be in another video, an absolute incredible, another interview to sit down and talk about it. But let's talk about it for a little bit. When a woman, they're, they're, they have a hyster, we have a hysterectomy, what did, what's the emotional component that is associated with it? How did you feel? You mentioned you know, now you no longer have your uterus. Talk a little bit about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, definitely there was um, sadness, no question. Um, sadness, there was shame, there was loss, there was um, grief, um, there was an impact on esteem because you feel like different. I mean, you feel like changed. Do you feel empty? Do you feel um, almost like maimed, right? Like you, you feel not how you want, like not, not how I wanted to feel. Right. Like I said, like, I mean, I was lying on that table thinking, I don't want this, yeah. you know? And then for me, it was really like a double sort of whammy because post-surgery, when I met with the, when I had to actually do the, the three month or whatever it was follow-up, um, there was a discovery that from everything that they took out, now this was a total, total hysterectomy. So um, ovaries, everything. Um, and what they took out, there was no cancer there. Wow. Yeah. It was so dramatic. Like I questioned, why did they have to take everything? You know, I hear, you know, even this week, as recent as this week, you and I both know Marie Forleo um, had a hysterectomy. She had a tumor the size of a grapefruit, I think she said, and she got to keep her ovaries, I think it was. And it's like, I read that and I thought, gosh, you know, like, I wish I had got to keep mine, you know, um, in my particular case, my, the, the fibroids were like an inch or something. And there was a bunch of them. And, and, but as I said, they got everything in September, but yet they went in and, and it was very radical. And I think that that's probably part of the grief, you know, mm -hmm. that's part of the sadness. My question to you is, do you think you could have done it differently now that obviously now everything hindsight is 2020, but now that you know more, what are some things that we can arm women to empower women who are watching this video right now to empower them that if they had a similar situation to you and they were told they need a hysterectomy, what questions would you tell them to ask their doctor so perhaps it, they can prevent having to take everything if they only need to take certain parts? Sure. I mean... Um, I didn't ask those questions, so I'm not sure that I'm like, well, I actually, I did. I did ask some questions in fairness to myself. I did ask some questions. Like I did try and push at that point in time and say, could you please just take um, everything except can you leave the ovaries? And the answer that I got was, well, no, everything has to go because they don't want to go back in again. And um, so, so to your question, Andrea, it's like, 
you know, definitely I, I would encourage women to ask, does everything have to go? What can be, what can be left? And then why are you taking everything? The answer that I got was because it's better. If there's any cancer there, you don't want it to grow. And so again, it was out of an abundance of, of caution that, you know, it was, it was a total hysterectomy. Do you feel that you were told what to do rather than making your own choice or having a say in it? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, hmm. definitely. Yeah. I, yeah, there's a part of me that feels um, maybe a little bit, I'm disappointed, right? Hmm. But at the same time, you know, what I was assured was that by having this, I think that they tried to give me the bright side. Mm -hmm. And the bright side was, oh, well, the bright side is, is that, you know, your likelihood of developing other cancers will be minimized. Right. Because the estrogen feeds the cancer. And so if you have, that was, that was also why they didn't want to leave the ovaries. Right. Because if there was any cancer, then having that estrogen left would, would feed, would feed that cancer. So the bright side that I was given was, well, the likelihood of other cancers will be minimized. Right. So for example, like breast cancer, um, different cancers will be, your likelihood will be, will be minimized. Now, you know, I, I was told that, but then I questioned, okay, well, in the case of Marie Forleo again, like, okay, but she has like this extremely large tumor. Well, why did her doctors make a decision to, to leave ovaries? Do you know? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So the, the, yeah, I think that these are the questions that you, that you can ask and, and see what kind of a response that you get. Hmm. Yeah. Let's move on to the side effects that you had afterwards. So you had, you had your surgery, you had all those side effects the night of, and you were, you mentioned it earlier, you talked about night sweats and I know you still have them. You talked yeah. about different things. So what, so now you've had the surgery and sure. you're recovering throughout the yeah. year. Talk yeah. about some of those effects that you, those side effects that you've had. Yeah. So really close up to the surgery. Um, you know, they don't want you to lift anything. Um, and definitely, you know, you, you want to abide by that because there's risk of, of lifting anything because of, uh, I'm not, I don't recall what can happen, but, um, definitely that's the one, I guess it's not really a side effect, but something that you want to be kind of respectful of the, the heavy, any kind of heavy lifting. Um, for me, um, other side effects happened pretty quickly. I mean, the, the night sweats, the hot flashes, um, the, the weight gain, um, all of that happened pretty quickly and it's been a challenge over, yeah, the last year and it's been within, you know, I'm not sure within days of having the surgery, um, all of those symptoms started and, uh, they have, you know, continued. And so, for me, what I am always trying to do is figure out, you know, is there a particular food that's causing um, the, the night sweats or the hot flashes? Is there something that I can change within my diet that's going to help that? I should say, like, I do have 20 years within the natural health products industry, and I'm very aware of eating well and monitoring what you eat and how what you eat can impact 
um, a variety of things, including your sleep, which by the way, I haven't mentioned the um, insomnia <laughs> as, uh, as another side effect. Um, but uh, yeah, so I'm aware it's, it's, I'm, I'm coming into this with a very high level of awareness of the importance of nutrition. I'm coming into this with a very high awareness of the importance of supplements and vitamin supplements and what can, they can do for you um, with, you know, over 20 years of being in, in that industry. So um, in terms of things that I'm always monitoring, I'm monitoring what am I eating? How can um, what I'm eating make things better um, from a hot flash, night sweat standpoint? Um, how can supplements that I'm taking perhaps uh, make things better? Um, I think that exercise would be um, a top, top recommendation that I would be giving other women. So within a few days of my surgery, I started just going for walks again. Um, and I know people talk about, you know, exercise all the time, but I can't really um, understate the importance of it. Getting outside, getting fresh air, going for walks, um, what it does for, you know, your mental health yeah. um, after surgery is, is incredibly impactful. Not to mention the fact that I was told by another doctor friend that um, the more I, you know, got back into the routine of exercise um, faster, that would actually help my healing. So that was his, you know, that's what he told me. And that was, did that, that didn't come from my direct doctor, but certainly that's what I was told. So I did heed his advice and I started walking um, pretty quickly. Like I think within a few days I was uh, out um, walking. Yeah. Um, so, you know, talking about the, the sleep issues, um, that was definitely one of them. You asked me earlier in the interview, you know, what were some of the things that I had experienced in perimenopause leading up to the surgery? And I would say that um, for sure that the insomnia was like a major, major, major uh, one um, that I had that it most impacted me um, from a health standpoint in coming into menopause. Yeah. And it continued after you had your hysterectomy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's better now. I, I do take um, medication to help it. Um, and I am finding that I'm still, even after a year, Andrea, I'm still after a year trying to still tweak, how can I get my diet, um, even better for me? Um, also, you know, since, uh, I guess sometime in April during, um, when COVID happened, I started, um, doing Peloton and I started, um, cycling indoors. So I've been pretty active. Like I've done over like hundred, hundred rides. I've done a, over a hundred strength training sessions. Um, and I think that strength training is really, really good as well. Like for me, am I necessarily getting results? Um, from a weight loss standpoint, not necessarily. Am I even getting results from a, like an inch kind of standpoint? Not necessarily, but I think that for me, um, it's good from like that esteem piece, right? Like just feeling better, feeling a little bit stronger, um, getting that energy out, sweating. Um, and I do think that that, that all helps. Um, I'll also say, and you and I have talked about this because we are good friends and we talk about all this kind of stuff. Um, I will say that the biggest thing when it comes to sleep now is like, I have to have a cold room or else yeah. I am like, woo, 
in big trouble. Um, so yeah, and it's not just a cold room. I actually have to have that sort of feeling of like a breeze. Otherwise I start to, it's almost like, and, and maybe you can even like kind of collaborate. It's almost like you start to feel like claustrophobic. Is that, do you ever feel that way? If you don't have that breeze? You know, I don't feel that way, but everyone has their own experience, right? But yeah. I definitely get the heat at night and I have to have like, I use a product called the Bedjet. I absolutely love it. And it provides that breeze just on me, like the, the air conditioning, the heat, the cooling on me. And it's, yeah. it's awesome. And it's, yeah. for me, that's been a big, uh, a big change for me in terms of sleeping at night and using cooling blankets and cooling sheets and making sure that I'm sleeping only in a tank top, but yeah. very, very light clothing, which it's very important. So yeah, yeah. even, even a t-shirt will no longer work. Like yeah. it oh, a t-shirt's to have, too hot. Yeah. Too yeah. Hot. Yeah. It has to have like, you know, little tiny straps and yeah, it has totally. to be open and yeah. T-shirt. Forget about a t-shirt. Yeah, way yeah. too hot. And the days of wearing like, forget out, you know, sleep with days of wearing sweatshirts and oh, no. done. Yeah, yeah. Like those are some, those are symbols of like, you know, pre-menopause, you know, so yeah, yeah. I'm on flannel that. pants, forget <laughs> about it. Flannel. Yeah. Not going to happen. So yeah. I'm on that. Well, Lisa, thank you so much for sharing your experience. I definitely want to do this again. And I want to have another discussion around, like you had mentioned the emotional component. And um, are there any other tips before we end today's interview on things that we could prepare women for or after? What are other, like the, the idea of preparing your food for a week or having someone take your, your children, all amazing tips. Mm -hmm. Anything mm -hmm. else you want to leave us with before uh, mm -hmm. we end today's interview? Um, you know, to be, I'm going to come back to it again. I, maybe it's even taking it a step further and saying to your doctor, if I insist on staying the night of the surgery, will you allow me to do that? And getting that agreement in advance, okay. um, so that you have that, that assurance, because when you're in the hospital, I mean, I don't even remember seeing the doctor who actually performed the surgery, right? So your interaction with that doctor at that point in time is like, extremely limited. Um, and, uh, yeah, that would, that would probably be, you know, something else. Um, and you know, that would be, that would be helpful that you can advocate on your behalf. And, and I think the big thing is, is like, you know, over the next year after it happens, it's like learning to be even kinder to yourself than you've ever yeah. been to yourself before. That's, uh, yeah. that's great advice. Thank you so much, Lisa. My pleasure. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Thank you so much, Lisa, for doing this interview today and for being so honest about your experience. We're going to be bringing you more videos on hysterectomies. We want to empower you to ask questions to your doctor and also provide tips for before and after your surgery. So please share this video with anyone you feel would benefit from the information because the more you share shows you care. Thanks for watching, everyone. We'll see you next time.